Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh boy, who is ready for a gigantic week for the Penn State football program. This is the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. It is Michigan week. This game is so huge for the Penn State football program for James Franklin. Can Penn State beat Michigan? That's what I'm going to spend a good bit of time on, especially in this first segment. I can sit here and recap the blowout win over Maryland 51-15. Here's the recap. Maryland stinks. Penn State played great. Now, I'll get into some more details here in a little bit, but um, rather than rehash what we all saw and, quite frankly, another gigantic butt-whooping of a Maryland team and program that just seems to fold when the lights are on, especially against Penn State, rather than, you know, trying to dissect every element of that game. What matters right now is can Penn State beat Michigan? And all of the interesting storylines around this game this week, what's at stake? What will the Nittany Lions need to do on the field if they're able to win? What would it mean to the program if they were able to win? What could happen? Um, I want to get into the football first and point out a couple of things, okay? We have no idea how good Michigan is or is not. Their schedule has just been a disaster. I mean, it's 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 hard to look at this Michigan schedule and think that a major college program ranked in the top five that plays in the Big Ten would have a schedule this bad this deep into the season. So we have no idea. Here, here's Michigan's schedule, by the way. Um East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue. And Michigan has destroyed all of those teams. But before we get into all these things from a Penn State perspective, I want to start with Michigan simply because we don't know if Michigan is for real or not. I th- I will flat out say I think Michigan is the best team in the country. I think 
Michigan could win the national title. They have no idea. They haven't played anybody. And that is a significant advantage for Penn State going into this game that Penn State has already been tested, already lost to Ohio State, um, playing an outstanding roster against Ohio State. Even the Indiana game, which was a test for Penn State, uh, Michigan really hasn't even been tested. And so if you haven't been tested, you don't know what you're going to do in the in the fourth quarter with a game on the line. So if we start with Michigan, I really like their quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. Obviously, they've got Blake Corum. They've got a running game and an offensive line that they've kind of just uh, really established their their will over people the past few years. But this particular Michigan team does throw the ball well, and they've got a lot of good players. They've got a tremendous defense um, that is just fantastic. But again, how do we know how good they are? They haven't played any good offenses. You know, Purdue, the, the, again, these teams they've played, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue. There's not a one good offense out of that whole bunch. And so as we try to think about what Penn State will need to do to beat Michigan, we need to start by just pointing out the obvious that Michigan has not had to play anybody all year, while Penn State does have the advantage of having already played Ohio State. Obviously, Penn State will be at home. And so, I, you know, if I had to list, you know, the biggest factors that I think could be possible for Penn State to win the game, number one would be that Michigan just simply had, has not been tested. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. I'm picking Michigan to win. I'm picking Michigan to, get, Michigan to win pretty comfortably. I'm probably going to go somewhere in the neighborhood of, 27-17, give or take. I don't know. I'll come up with a, a score. But but yeah, that's double digits, you know? And I'm sitting here recording this on a Sunday night, and I just think Michigan is better than Penn State. I just think Michigan is better than Penn State. But do we know for sure? Do we have any, you know, hard evidence that Michigan can compete in a really tough game against a team with with good players? Like Penn State has, we just don't know. So if num- the number one factor for me with regards to Penn State having a chance to beat Michigan is that right there. They've they've already played at least Ohio State. And again, I'll throw the Indiana game out there because that was some adversity. Beyond that, if we're going to start breaking down X's and O's and everything, um, Penn State's defense is a lot of the stuff we'd went into the Ohio State game. Penn State's defense will give them every opportunity you would think to hang around in the game, to stick around, have a chance to win. The defense, I have a lot of faith in. We don't know if Chop Robinson will be back. Um, he he dressed at Maryland, didn't play. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Don't know exactly what the injury was to Chop, but we'll see if he's eligible to play. That would certainly be a big boost. One concern I have right now that I would not have thought would have been a concern for Penn State, and that's Kalen King. Um, Kalen King certainly did not have a good day against Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ohio State, but Marvin Harrison is a legitimate Heisman Trophy uh, candidate and maybe top 10 pick in the NFL draft. But Kalen King has had some other games this year where, um, you know, while he'll make some plays, I don't, I don't think he's a guy that just shuts you down. If you're listening to this and you're a Steelers fan and a Penn State fan, I mean, Joey Porter Jr. has already had opportunities with the Steelers this year where he is kind of 
developing into a shutdown corner. We've got a nice piece at DK Pittsburgh Sports on that as we speak. It's on the front page uh, Sunday night. It's is it it's his island is the headline of the Joey Porter story. And Joey's going to make some mistakes and get some penalties, obviously, as he did during his Penn State career. But Joey became a shutdown corner at Penn State. You just didn't throw at him. I don't feel like Kalen King is that guy. Um, I'm not trying to take a shot at Kalen King. I just feel like Kalen King, while he's a good corner, has really not proven to me that he can just shut down a guy when he has to shut down a guy. He was the number two corner last year. Joey guarded the best wide receivers. Kalen King did certainly did a great job. But when we're talking about Kalen King, first round pick, first round pick, first round pick, well, this, you know, he, he I don't think he showed that against Ohio State. And will he be able to show that against Michigan? That's that's a key concern for me because while, you know, Talia Tungavailoa started that Maryland game 17 for 17 and really kind of picked apart the Penn State defense, James Franklin discussed after the game, they kind of let him do some of that. They let him, they let the Terps kind of throw some underneath stuff. They weren't going to let him get by. They weren't going to let him get yards after the catch. They were right there for the tackles. That stuff makes a difference as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Penn State's defense handles the Michigan passing game. J.J. McCarthy completing 76% of his passes, 18 touchdowns. You know, J.J.'s having a really, really good year and uh, 18, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. So that's a concern. If I'm going to this game the past couple of years, you'd say, well, Michigan's running game, Michigan ran for 400 yards last year. On Penn State, really just took it to him. Um, Blake Corbs had a nice year, 650 yards, averaging 5.2 yards per carry, 16 touchdowns. He's not quite had the year that he had last year. Uh, Donovan Edwards, who also had the long touchdown run against Penn State, along with Corum last year, he's only averaging three yards per carry, 230 yards rushing. So I don't think that Michigan running game is quite the behemoth that we've seen in the past couple of years. So if you're Penn State's defense, while so much was made after last year's game about bulking up the defensive line, stopping the run, sure, they are going to have to stop the run. There's no question about it. Michigan's got a good offensive line. But this is a better passing Michigan attack than than we've seen. And J.J. McCarthy is going to be very, very dangerous. Penn State's going to have to get pressure on him. So that's why I kind of started with the defense, started with Kalen King, started with Chop Robinson. They can't let J.J. McCarthy just sit back there and uh, be able to pick things apart because because he he can do that. And Michigan's got um, a, a good receiving core, maybe not necessarily great. Roman Wilson, 36 catches, 589 yards, 10 touchdown grabs for him. And uh, so they've, they've got some capable guys. Um, so we might see a little bit more of a passing attack. I do think Penn State's defense will keep them in the game throughout. My big concern, and the reason I will not pick Penn State in this game, is is the offense. Now, I will talk in the second segment here in a couple of minutes about the things they did well at Maryland, things that you can maybe hang your hat on going forward, and we'll see. But I do still have concerns about the Penn State offense going up against this caliber of defense. Penn State did nothing against Ohio State. They were absolutely awful. That game was on the road. Michigan's defense is outstanding. I will go back and say this this for the fifth or sixth time or whatever. 
Michigan hasn't played anybody. They haven't played any kind of offense. They haven't played uh, a, a team that is a, a, a major threat moving the ball. But Penn State's offensive line, the key there for me is, or on this side of the ball, they've got to give Drew Aller time to throw the ball. Drew had all day against Maryland. They got no pressure on him, and he looked great. Those were good building blocks. I don't want anybody to get ahead of yourself thinking that all the problems on offense have been solved because Drew went out and had one great game and they destroyed Maryland. Maryland got no pressure on him whatsoever. So the key for me for Penn State's offense going into this game, Drew needs some time. He got pressured a lot against Ohio State, made bad throws, uh, not accurate, not on target, seemed to panic. That's what Michigan will try to do for him to, against him as well. Secondly, the running game for Penn State. I just don't know what's happened with Nicholas Singleton this year. Um, just major drop off in production. No long explosive runs. I will continue to say Catron Allen is the best running back on this team for what this team needs. 80 yards against Maryland. Uh, Nick had 20. Catron is just to me the more solid. Uh, and physical Big Ten style of runner. So uh, the the keys are the offensive line is going to have to give Drew Aller time. They're going to have to open up some holes at, at a little bit for the running game to balance things out as much as possible because I just do not believe Penn State's receivers are going to be able to do to Michigan what they did to Maryland. Uh, KLS is a good receiver. We've talked about this all season. Um, possession guy, Dante Cephas had a great game against Maryland. Can he do that against Michigan? The Trey Wallace injury, um, probably going to be out again. That's a significant loss. So I, I don't expect Penn State's passing game to just be uh, completing all kinds of throws all over the field and deep throws. But if Drew has some time and they can move some chains, I, I went into the Ohio State game thinking you got to get to 20 points. Can the offense score 13 and maybe the defense gets you seven. Well, the defense did get them seven against Ohio State with the Curtis Jacobs fumble re- return for a touchdown, but that was nullified by a penalty. And that's the kind of game that or play that basically swung that Ohio State game. I, I go into this Michigan game thinking that Penn State's offense needs to score 13 or 14 points. And then if the defense can get a, a turnover to force to, to lead right to some points or maybe score some points themselves to get to get it to 2021. That could be the difference in the game. So if Penn State's going to win, I think it's going to have to be a 2017, 21, 17 kind of game. If Michigan gets over 20 points, I just don't think Penn State's going to win the game. So uh, can Penn State beat Michigan? Sure. It's at home. If the defense plays well. If the offensive line gives Drew uh, some time then those are all key factors. Um, If the offensive line does not give Drew time, it's going to be tough. I'm going to recap the Maryland, some of the things about the Maryland game that I really liked that do give me reasons for optimism. In the third segment, we'll kind of circle back to all this. What's at stake for Penn State against Michigan? The Big Ten tiebreaker. What could happen if Penn State wins? What could happen if Penn State loses? I'll get into all that here in a little bit. Brought them to 
ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, it's a subtle thing, but you know what I I might have liked the most about Penn State's offense in the 51-15 win over Maryland? A couple of plays. There was a second and three or second and four early on, and then there was a third and three or third and four a little bit later on, third and four, I believe. Drew Aller took off and ran. I thought that is what we need to see. Obviously, they're going to have to throw the ball spread the field, uh, create, you know, soften up the defense a little bit. We've talked about that forever. But Drew Aller recognizing either getting the play call, and and he, I'd ask him about it after the game. He said they had a couple of planned keepers in there. So either the call by Mike Yersich or Drew Aller recognizing very quickly on kind of a read option that he needs to take off. That dynamic to me is massive for the Penn State offense. I simply cannot overstate this enough, okay? Uh, If we're talking about Penn State trying to become what it was with Trace McSorley, all the storylines in 2016, that offense did not take off and reach its potential until Trace McSorley understood what his role was as a running quarterback. Drew Aller will never be Trace McSorley as a running quarterback. That's not what I'm saying at all. But on second and three, if the defense is locking in on everything else other than Drew Aller running, and I think he picked up seven yards on that carry, that is enormous. And he picked up 21 yards on a third and four carry. I think it was that one was in the second half. He doesn't have to run for 75 yards, but he's got to be able to pick up six, eight yards at a time on designed runs and reads where he recognizes something's not there and he's got to take off. It's, it's just so important for what this Penn State offense could potentially achieve. 
I just don't think they're going to get the deep passing game going to any degree like it was in 2016 with Godwin or anything like that. They'll keep trying and, and they should. And you've got to take chances just so that the defense is aware whether you complete them or not. And you got to complete some every now and then, but you, you at least have to keep trying. But if you're not, if the quarterback is not able to Keep the defense honest by taking off on occasion. We've just been preached this since Trace McSorley. Uh, Sean Clifford was a good runner. I've talked about this a whole lot. He was very smart, had a good IQ of when to take off and run and, and could help the offense that way as well. We had not really seen that a lot from Drew this year. So again, if you think I'm overstating it, the offense has to have something. They've got to have something to hang their hat on. It's not going to be the deep ball. Yes, the tight ends are good. Um, but if the defense is just going to load up to stop Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, then Drew has got to be able uh, to tuck it and, and make some plays and at least make them think about him, which might open something else up for, uh, you know, either running back or, or, or something else in, a, in the short passing game. I thought also thought, and I don't have the advanced uh, um, analysis here in front of me. From the eye test, just watching the game the first time through, I thought they used the middle of the field more. I thought they did a nice job with some slants against Maryland, getting guys some the, the ball in a little bit of space where they could run a little bit. Um, one of my biggest complaints about the offense and Yersich and Drew Aller all year has been he just not has not used the middle of the field. Everything has been, you know, right to the side, left to the side, kind of in the flats area, got to use the middle of the field. And the problem with that is you you risk turnovers because there's more congestion there, but you also have the ability to extend defenses and um, just change things up for, you know, so that the defense can't just load up to stop the run or, or what have you. So I thought they did a nice job against Maryland, kind of using those slants. Drew delivered the ball well. That was good to see. And again, they did take some shots against Maryland. Dante Cephas with a really good game. Uh, beautiful touchdown on the first touchdown grab where they ruled him out of bounds and they reviewed it. That was a beautiful grab. The second one was a tremendous throw. They're both great throws. Uh, so good to see Drew kind of put some ball, put some air underneath the ball and Dante Cephas caught those. Talking with Dante after the game. You know, I asked him, you know, what, what a game like that could do for him. He says, you know, he just builds confidence. He's very confident right now and comfortable. You know, we thought this guy's played college football for four years. Why isn't he confident and comfortable in week one? Well, everybody's different. He had an acclimation period. The Big Ten is obviously more difficult. I don't think Maryland's defense is very good. But if we can see something like that from Dante Cephas against Michigan, now that changes the dynamic a lot more. It, it, it does stink that Harrison Wallace is probably going to miss the game. I'd love to see uh, Penn State's offense with uh, uh, KLS, with Trey, and Dante Cephas. Uh, does not look like that's going to be the case, you would think. But um, you got to give Dante Cephas a lot of credit. That was That was a good game, and I'm sure he'll get a lot of work in. They'll probably have a lot of things in the package. Uh, prepared to, to go to Dante Cephas this week against Michigan because they're going to try to do everything they can to stop Keandre Lambert-Smith. So um, looking at the Maryland game, the, my biggest pause 
or, or, or call, I guess, cause for concern about the Maryland is not really anything Penn State did. It's the fact that I think Maryland folds and I was, I've been there for 66 to three. I've been there for 59 to nothing. I was there last year for 30 to nothing. I, I went into the game thinking Saturday thinking oh, that could be possible again. Maryland's lost three in a row. They've fallen apart since leading at Ohio State in the third quarter. That's not the type of program that typically has really, really strong kids from a character standpoint that can bounce back from adversity and they don't have strong physicality kind of guys that can bounce back from getting punched in the mouth during the game that's why Penn State kicks their rear all the time Penn State's got big strong physical guys and and when Maryland you know with with a few exceptions when Maryland starts to get beat up and beat around a little bit they just they don't have any kind of answer and so while Talia Tungavailoa started off great 17 for 17 Maryland couldn't run the ball at all. They're play calling early in that game on a third and one and fourth and one uh, where they're trying to run up the middle while Talia's picking apart the Penn State D. I mean, just those were stupid play call. You're not running. You're not getting first downs on those plays uh, against Penn State. So I I just I am very impressed. But see, I, I put this on Twitter on Sunday. Both of these things can be true. You can be impressed by Penn State's offense and feel really good that they made a lot of strides. Okay, that's that's definitely all true. But you can also question whether they can do any of that stuff against Michigan, any of it at all. I I mean, in any aspect, based on what we saw against Ohio State when the offense was horrid. If you're out there thinking, hey, the offense has figured out a lot of the problems. Look what they did to Maryland, blah, blah, blah. Don't you remember last week against Indiana when they struggled? And so, again, this is why college football is such a, a a weird apples to oranges sport. You can beat up on a Maryland team that you match up well against phenomenally. That doesn't mean anything when you're going up against a Michigan team that we think, again, we think is one of the handful of best teams overall in the country and one of the best defenses in the country, if indeed... Um, they are, but again, we don't we don't know based on who they played. So that's kind of taking a look at, back at what I saw against Maryland, what I was impressed by. Still does not answer the question though of will that stuff work against Michigan? Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are podcast. I broke down the numbers of what might happen if Penn State beats Michigan. Okay, so here's the scenario. A lot of you are familiar with this already. If Penn State beats Michigan and then Michigan beats Ohio State, that game is in Ann Arbor, so you got to like Michigan's chances, they would all finish 11-1. and one. If they all finish 11-1, and one, then you go to the tiebreakers, and uh, the tiebreaker that would decide things would be uh, the three teams' records against Big Ten West, uh, the, 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 the teams they've played from the Big Ten West, and their records in the conference. So, for instance, Penn State has played Iowa Northwestern Illinois. You combine Iowa Northwestern Illinois' records against Big Ten teams, and that's Penn State's spot in the tiebreaker. 
Nebraska, uh, Michigan has played Nebraska, Minnesota, Purdue. Ohio State has played Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota. As it stands right now, with a few weeks to go, Penn State would win the tiebreaker if all three of them were tied, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, Iowa's 4-2, and two, Northwestern's 2-4, two and four, Illinois's 2-4. and four. So Penn State's opponents from the Big Ten West have an 8-10 and 10 conference record. Michigan's opponents have a 7 and 11 conference record. Ohio State's opponents have a 7 and 11 conference record. So this gets us back to what's at stake if Penn State can beat Michigan. Now again, this tiebreaker, these, these things could change. Penn State needs Iowa, Northwestern, and Illinois to keep winning some games here to keep that out. But if it does, if Penn State beats Michigan and then Michigan beats Ohio State, then if the tiebreakers hold up, Penn State wins the Big Ten East and goes to the Big Ten Championship game where they play, you would think, Iowa. And then win that game and boom, you're in the playoff. Right? Right? Hmm. Okay. Best case scenario. All that happens. Penn State beats Michigan. Michigan beats Ohio State. Penn State wins the Big Ten. Big Ten champ goes to the playoff. That would stand to reason. But would that happen? This is where things get very murky. Okay? And this is where the committee, oh boy, could you imagine this happened in 2016? Penn State won the Big Ten, but Ohio State went to the playoff, even though Penn State beat Ohio State. So what could happen? I'm just trying to prepare everybody for this because this it could be close. And there'll be a lot of discussion and a lot of moving parts. Penn State beats Michigan. Michigan beats Ohio State barely. Say, say Ohio State plays a close. Now, if Michigan blows out Ohio State, then maybe some of this scenario doesn't come into play. But if Ohio State goes to Ann Arbor and barely loses to Michigan, even if Penn State goes on and win, beats Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, there you're not getting a lot of, you're not getting a whole lot of resume boost from, from beating Iowa again. If it came down to a 12 and one Penn State team, an 11 and one Ohio State team and an 11 and one Michigan team, I would not be surprised if Ohio State got that. I think it would suck, and Penn State's folks would be ticked about it, but it could happen because Ohio State beat Penn State. Well, yeah, well, Penn State will have beaten Michigan. Hey, look, we got to keep the dynamic in mind here. I think college football wants Michigan out of this thing. I, I think college – I think the – this, these are human beings on the committee. And if Michigan's sitting there with one loss and they're trying to determine if they if they deserve to be in, I think internally, a lot of them might, might not give Michigan the benefit of the doubt. Even if they only lose to Penn state by like one or something, I think the committee deep down inside, a lot of these human beings might, they don't want to give Michigan any benefit of the doubt and they might just kind of cast them aside. But I don't know that they would do that against Ohio State, with Ohio State. Ohio State's number one right now. And again, if, if Ohio State stays number one and then loses by just a few points at Michigan and that's their only loss of the season and Ohio State beat Penn State, oh, man. Look, you know, don't kid yourself. Just because Penn State wins a tiebreaker, a goofy 
quirky tiebreaker because Northwestern ends up with more wins over Purdue. That's how Penn State can beat Ohio State to get into the Big Ten Championship game. That doesn't mean that the playoff committee has to use any of those factors at all. Now, let let me backtrack. Winning championships is supposed to matter. That is supposed to matter. It didn't matter in 2016 when Penn State had the championship uh, and Ohio State didn't, but Penn State had two losses that year as well. They'd also lost uh, to Pitt along with Michigan. So winning the conference championship, if by the letter of the law with the criteria that the committee's supposed to use, that should, should weigh somewhat heavily for Penn State. But if winning that championship, all if it means is you beat Iowa again, uh, with all the problems Iowa's had, again, I'm, I'm just I'm just bringing this back to the notion of just because the Big Ten has a quirky tiebreaker doesn't mean that the committee would necessarily pick Penn State over Ohio State when Ohio State beat Penn State and, quite frankly, outplayed them badly. Okay? Yeah, I know it was on the road. Um, it was a 2012 game, but... That game was not really that close, and, and Ohio State beat them badly. So just trying to throw out that scenario because there's going to be a lot of talk and a lot of a lot of discussion if Penn State does beat Michigan about now there is a clear path to the playoff. Well, I don't think there's anything clear about any of this thing. One thing Penn State would want to happen is for Alabama to beat Georgia. If Alabama beats Georgia – then you have the possibility of the SEC getting completely shut out of the college football playoff. And I know that would probably, you know, it's hard to think that that kind of thing would happen. But I mean, the SEC is a little bit down this year. Georgia's not as good as they've been. Alabama certainly not. So if both those SEC teams have a loss and say you've got Florida State that's going to get a spot and then you've got, um, uh, you know, a, a, a Big Ten team. Uh, and who knows what's going to happen with Georgia. I mean, if, if Florida State's got one spot and then you've got a whole bunch of teams with one loss, uh, yeah, Washington, we got to throw Washington in there too. If they win the Pac 12, you got to figure they would get in. If you got a bunch of teams with one loss, now you're comparing resumes, man. Now you're comparing resumes and whoo, it's, it could just get so wild. Uh, to see how everything could go if Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State all have one loss, if Alabama and Georgia all have one loss. Holy smokes. It, it, it just really could be. Uh, Oregon would be in the mix a little bit. Uh, their loss was because they missed a last-second field goal at Washington. So could be pretty nutty. Now, we'll get into a whole lot more of those kinds of specifics in great, great, great detail next week if Penn State beats Michigan. Because if Penn State beats Michigan – Yes, absolutely. There is, uh, you would think, a very good path to the playoff. And if Penn State can get to the playoff, man, there's just there's no great teams in college football this year. They they could find a way to win it. Um, I will go back to what I said at the very beginning. I'm picking Michigan to win. I just think Michigan is a better team than Penn State. I still think Penn State's offense has a lot of issues, but. Do we know for sure what Michigan really is at this point? Absolutely not. Hopefully we get to see a great game on Saturday. And then if Penn State wins, man, oh man, the excitement level 
of what the possibilities could be uh, is going to be enormous. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you got any comments, leave them here. Uh, Be sure to check out all of our stories and uh, updates on the feed as well. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you after the Michigan game. 